always stay humble for sure. Always stay humble and don't let anybody knock you from your dreams because you know, everybody has like that, the butterflies in their belly and they, they just know that, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here or I'm, I need to be at another level. So number one, listen to that, but don't let anybody stop you from your dreams. And I think the other thing I would rec- always tell people is find a mentor, but find a mentor where you want what they have, not somebody who says, Hey, I want to be your mentor. No. If you don't want the lifestyle that they have or the mindset or the health, whatever it is, if you don't want that, that person does, and doesn't need to be your mentor. And everybody is not built to be a mentor. So always pick your mentors wisely too. But if you don't want their lifestyle, then that shouldn't be a person that should coach you in life, but always have a mentor and seek out, you know, sometimes you have to seek out mentorship as well. Of course it organically will happen. But always have a mentor, um, stay humble, don't let anybody steer you from your vision or your goals, especially folks that ain't got what you want. I mean, it's amazing how people let folks who you don't want their lifestyle will steer you from doing some great things, you know, doing great things. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss on Cage. Today we have Tammy Lewis, better known as Sister Tammy. How you doing today, Tammy? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Shanal? I mean, your view is well. better than mine, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So the reason why I asked you to be on the show, because I, I know you have like a, a 50-50, right? I mean, you were one time a corporate, right? You were working up the corporate ladder, and then the other half, you kind of decided to throw it out the window and start and run your own business. So why don't you kind of give people a little bit of who are you? So I'm Tammy, also known as Sister Tammy, but I always go by Tammy Lewis from St. Louis and then the plug in for the city. But I was always the girl that checked the box on middle class success, right? So I did that whole thing where the whole go to school, you know, get the good education so I can get the good job with benefits and found out very early because I was in health education. So my background in education is all in healthcare. And I found out very early that health educators don't make money at all. So of course, you know, I did that next logical checkbox, which is to go get a master's degree. And I have my master's degree in um, public health and behavioral science. So I, you know me, I'm cerebral. I analyze what people do, <laughs> right? I mean, that's- This is true. And Chanel, you know, we've had conversations about that. But 
but didn't make any more money checking off the box. What people said in America, that's what you need to do to be successful. But I love what I did. I was, you know, in the grind. I was in the public health sector, worked in a um, inner city clinic, loved my patients, hated management. But um, I saw people that had like nice shoes, nice suits, you know, nice handbags known as pharmaceutical reps. And I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 14 years. So there, like you said, that was most of my corporate career, checking the box and climbing the corporate ladder. But I did it very fast. I went through that industry very fast, um, got in management. And, you know, with management in that industry, you won't see a lot of women and you won't see a lot of women of color. So again, by checkbox, I was taught to fight harder, stronger, faster, which means I was working 60 to 80 hours a week easily. And so that was me. That was me. I checked the box off because this is what the American dream said in order to be successful. And that's what I did until kind of changed that. So that was me. me. I mean, being that you were in that space, you decided to go into like your own business, right? And obviously it's a partnership It's you and your husband. So you you kind of just want to give a little insight. I mean, you're in the financial sector. I mean, what what kind of businesses do you guys have? Yeah. So we did a total 360, like being in healthcare to being in finances because ain't nothing about me does anything about financial services because I like to shop. Well, I used to like to shop. Yeah, so we did a total 360 because I think deep down inside, we knew that there was something different. I mean, we were making great income as a couple, but we knew deep down inside that there had to be another way. And we were looking at like franchises, but you know, all the franchises at that time. And to kind of give a little perspective, this is when the market crashed. So all this happened when the market crashed and we were in that recession. And so my husband's found our business first. So we're um, brokers under the umbrella of Primerica. We've been regional vice presidents for uh, six years now, and we love the decision that we made. And we're partners in our business. Our partnership is a little different because both of us are very, I guess, alpha and engaged in our business, but we treat it just like a company because that's what we have. We have a company. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, why don't you just go into that little bit of the story about like who started the business first? Was it you? Was it Ron? So Yeah. So most people, when they meet me now, they think that I was the one who was like, yep, this is what we're going to do. But Mm. my husband started it first. So Ron started our business first, starting very part time. And as we were building the business, I became more engaged because I saw the growth of it. And Mm. what happened is when I was in corporate, it just got to the point where my health actually got in the way. I got in the way, but I had a lot of health issues just from stress, like stress. I was totally stressed out. And one day, I mean, literally I was in the field with one of my reps. I don't even know if I've told you the story, but I was in the field with one of my reps and my whole left side went numb at 35. So they thought I was having a stroke because I had signs of stroke because everything went numb. And they, you know, of course, rushed me to the hospital and Ron came into the hospital room and he said, okay, so are you going to let them kill you? Because that's what they're doing. Because you were just so stressed out. I was just that stressed out. Now they weren't directly doing it, but the stress was killing me. And that's when we just made the decision to go full time and put all the efforts into the business. I slowly transitioned because I was still, you know, working with that. And I don't even know if I've ever told that story before, but that's really what happened to get me more engaged into the business and our business was growing because it wasn't just here in Georgia. He was growing it in Louisiana and growing it in St. Louis. 
And so as I saw the growth and as I transitioned, I helped him and became more of a full partner. With that style of partnership, is running a business with a joint 50-50 partnership with your spouse, is that a difficult task? It's different. (laughs) (laughs) It's different because, you know, there are like, I think in any business, there's different levels of partnership. And again, Mm -hmm. I think it's very different when you have two alphas. It's almost like we've kind of created our own, like I'm responsible for maybe certain cities or certain teams. And he's responsible for certain, you know, cities and teams. I do all, of course, the like the women's initiatives. So it's kind of like we've kind of built our own lanes and we come to the middle and have our co-CEO meeting about the business. For some people who have never worked with their partner, it could be challenging. It could be challenging for sure, because not only are you a partner in your business, but you're a partner in life. And for so many years, we've ran separately, and now we're running together. So it seems like you guys have put a couple um, systems in place to overcome those hurdles. So I guess one of them, you're saying that essentially on your side, you kind of run the the women initiatives, and I'm assuming that Ron runs the male initiatives. Has that been fruitful to kind of separate it that way? I think that's best (laughs) to separate it that way. I mean, for us, I mean, it works for us. Like even now with the pandemic that we're in with the coronavirus, like I leave the house and work. I can't work side by side. I mean, I've never worked side by side, not even in corporate. So, but it works for us. So I physically leave and go somewhere else and work. And we still call each other, but I physically leave. And even when we had our office or, you know, we're working in that one, the location, that workspace location, we would still be in separate areas because that it worked got it so i mean obviously you you were in corporate a long time and you know we always hear about the 20 years it takes someone to get to the level of success that's perceived as an overnight success how long did it take you to get to where you are currently i think we're right at the tipping point because when i started Mm -hmm. in pharmaceuticals so it actually has been like right at 20 years so right we're right at that Mm -hmm. 20 years and i know when i was like looking in in the book think and grow rich i think like the average age was right around between like maybe 40, 45 or something like when Mm. the peak hits. And I think a lot of it is just wisdom and growth and learning from your mistakes of what Mm. you need to do now. And then really embracing the season that you're in. Like right now I'm embracing the season that I'm in and I'm just like guns a blazing. So I think I'm like, I'm right at that mark where we're right right at that like 20 year where (laughs) it's about to pop. Like I can feel it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you alluded to your health a little bit. So, I mean, why don't you kind of give us a little, I mean, you're a cancer survivor as well on top of everything else that you're doing. So, I mean, kind of just talk about that journey of like, how were you juggling cancer, your business, you have two girls, you have like a team of people in your hierarchy. Like what the hell was going through your mind when that was happening? Right. So in July of 2018, I ran my first 10K that I thought was a 5K. And that's a whole nother story. (laughs) And it really 30 days before, it was the peach tree. 30 days before I found out it was a 10K. But then in my mind, I'm like, it's only 3.2 more miles. So I just figured it out, 3.2 more miles. But then in August of 2018, I get diagnosed with breast cancer. So one month I'm at my healthiest. The next month I'm talking about surgeries, What's getting ready to happen next? Oh my God, am I going to die? So we were going through that whole transition 
And in October, at the end of October, I decided to be very, very aggressive and have a double mastectomy. From there, after the treatment, we found out that I had to do radiation. So I did 28 radiation treatments as well. So in a nutshell, so far I've had four surgeries and um, the 28 radiation treatments. But when I was diagnosed, I remember it like it was yesterday. When I got the diagnosis, I kind of got a moment to, you know, be by myself and kind of process it. I went into that whole pity party, like, Lord, why me? Why did it happen to me? I checked the box. I, mm-hmm. I checked the box, keyword. I checked the box and did everything according to plan, well, which I thought was my plan. And then I took a step back and said, why not me? And that's when I realized that something big was going to happen, like some shift was getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like a trigger in my mind that just refocused I didn't go into a pity party. I was like, this was supposed to happen. And I don't know why, but this is what is supposed to happen. So just embrace it. And I was truly blessed to have like the best medical team. Like I didn't even ask for a second opinion because I just like knew, like I knew I had the best breast surgeon. I knew I had the best plastic surgeon. I knew I had the best radiation oncologist, but I don't know if it was just the space I was in and I was just realizing that this is supposed to happen and I don't know why. But now, I mean, now I'm seeing some of that, like, um, you know, part of that was I started reading more about women and wealth, like why women don't have the wealth that we're supposed to have. And a lot of it's because women just don't realize where they are. And so I just started doing more research about it. And so now I talk to more women about just wealth in general and explain it to them. This is why you're not where you need to be. The other part of that and I don't even know if I, we've had this conversation, is my uh, plastic surgeon told me I couldn't carry anything over 10 pounds. So mm. I have like Levengers. I don't know if you've seen me with all my planners. I mean, like I got yeah. planner queen. So I'm like, how am I supposed to run a business if I can't have this, right? Because I couldn't carry any of it. And so I found this world of digital planning. And so I learned how to do create digital planners. So I created a digital planner and people would see me with it and we're like, okay, so where did you purchase that? I'm like, it's not for purchase. That just, it was something I made for me because I can't. And then my girlfriend finally pushed me and said, you need to put this out and I'll help you. And so she and I are partnering in that endeavor. So it's called One Dope Planner. It's pretty dope. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a, a golden <laughs> treat. I didn't even know you had that add-on right there. So yeah. definitely, that's, that's definitely pretty, pretty sweet. So What's one thing that you went through corporate America, you survived cancer, you're a married couple in a business, you have another business venture as well. What's one thing that you would do differently if you could do it all over again? Uh, Do it faster. Do it faster. And I'm an overthinker. Maybe that's that cerebral part, but I'm an overthinker and not think as much. Just do and not think. And then just that and then submitting to coaching, just submitting to coaching faster because I I've always been an overthinker, always been an overthinker. Now it's like, I got to make decisions. So I'm making decisions on the spot now, or I at least take 24 hours before I make a decision, but I'm not overthinking it. I'm just like moving emotion out of decisions, but yeah, faster, not overthinking and just submitting to coaching a lot faster. Are you familiar with the five second rule the book? No. Hold on, let yeah, me write that down my planner. Yeah, when you you get opportunity, the five second rule is exactly that. I mean, obviously, Art Williams talks about that as well too. Just do it and do it and do it until the job gets done. But the reality of that five second rule is essentially taking five seconds 
to remove the doubt. It's kind of you count from five, you count backwards, and at the end of that one second, everything that you had doubts would just wash away. You know, you kind of change your chemical imbalance by changing your state of mind. So definitely you get opportunity. You definitely want to down. I mean, I'm big on audiobooks. That's one of the books I just listened to in like the past 60 days. Definitely a win-win. So do you come from an entrepreneurial background? I mean, was your mom, your dad, your uncle, anybody in your family entrepreneurs? So neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. The entrepreneur was actually my grandmother. Really? Yeah, and I can kind of say this now because she's deceased, but she would have card parties <laughs> in her basement back yeah. in the day. You know, now that I look at it, I'm like, that was just so, I hate to say it, the only word I can think of is just gangster. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would have these card parties and they would rotate and the house would get, you know, I mean, it's probably like, you know what I'm saying? That's why I said she's deceased now. So I can say that. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> right? So ain't nobody going after her. But she always was trying to find another way to bring in money. She, you know, I never saw her not hustle. And that was my dad's mom. But both of my parents, corporate America or government, not, neither one of them. But they support, they definitely support our business. But neither one of them. But I got it from my grandma. Nice, nice. So you think that was a factor to your current success? The women that I embrace is, you know, definitely both of my grandmothers. My one grandmother taught me hustle. The other one, you know, taught me actually time management and discipline. And it's amazing how you can kind of go back and think of situations and realize that in that point of time, you didn't think she was teaching you X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. but that's really what she was. Like when my grandmother the one that taught me hustle, I remember when I would wash dishes, she would correct my posture and she would correct my posture. So I would look with my head up and not like slumped over the sink. And, you know, just little things like that. That was a correction of posture, not for me to wash dishes the way she wanted me to wash dishes, but little things like that. My grandma, you know, she had us on a set schedule. We would come home from school, but that was just teaching me time management and um, prioritizing You know, my great-grandmother, I never met her. I've just heard great stories about her, but she was a beast, literally. She was a beast, beast. And so I always try to harness their energy and their bloodline to say, here's where you came from. You came from a lot of phenomenal women. And so now it's your turn to make sure that you're doing the same thing for the next generation by implementing those things as well. So, Wow, wow. Well, I mean... That's a good thing when history repeats itself. Yeah. Definitely. So how do you juggle your work life with your balance? I mean, your work life with your family life. And I'm I'm saying balance because obviously as a financial representative, that definitely has a lot of juggling because it's not just you. You're talking about other people's welfare, other people's money, and people in your hierarchy having to deal with the responsibility of managing them and orchestrating to make sure they're doing the right thing. So how are you juggling all these things? Yeah. So, I mean, one is definitely like in our household delegation. The blessing is, is our our girls are a lot older. You know, when I was in pharmaceuticals, they were younger and that was a huge juggle. I mean, because literally if you didn't have a sitter or if I wasn't flying in my mom or or Ron's mom, then it was a catastrophe because I was traveling all the time. Now that the girls are older, it's really giving them more responsibility because this is a family business. They have a part to play as well. So delegation with household things. So I'm not doing household things if I don't have to. Uh And then also with them, and this is something that I'm getting better at, is really scheduling time with them. So I don't feel guilty 
when I'm with them and I should have been doing something else, or if I'm doing something for the business, I should have been with them is really scheduling all that out. So scheduling out the meetings, scheduling out, you know, time that I need personally to be productive, um, scheduling time to be directly with them. And I know that kind of sounds bad, but that's, you need to schedule time with your family and your children. And the reason why you feel guilty when you're with them is because you didn't get stuff done in another scheduled time. So I'm really trying to get better at, and that's, again, the other reason why I have the planner, so I can really schedule all of that out and block all that out. I can take time with the business as well, take time for myself, because even though I'm a two-year cancer survivor, I'm still getting through that process. The reality is my body is not the same as it used to be. So when it's ready to sleep, it's ready to sleep. And I have to make sure I factor in time for those things as well. So really it's, it's delegation, um, prioritizing, and making sure that I carve out time for the things that need to get done in order for the business to still be productive, in order also for the household to still be productive at the same time. So, I mean, you're talking about sleep, right? So, that, I mean, that, that leads me to, I mean, what's your morning habit? So what kind of morning routines do you have? Okay, so... My body gets up at 4.45 every morning. And what I try to do, and more so than not, is I get up and, you know, I'll go into another room. I'll plan, do some devotional, Mm. like catch up. And that's really my me time. And it really goes from like 4.45 to almost 7. 7.30 is all me. And so I use that time for myself to catch up on whatever I need to do. But... That's, I mean, really, I'm getting up at 445. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's a win-win situation. I mean, I've interviewed a couple dozen people at this point in time, and literally the ones that are highly effective on their day-to-day routines are the ones that are waking up in the ungodly hours. Like, it's before the sun is even thinking about waking up or coming up, and they're up, and they're doing, whether it's meditation, yoga, working out, reading books, everything is usually set essentially between that 3 a.m. to about 7 a.m. It seems to be the sweet spot. Yep. Yep. What do you see yourself and your business in about 20 years? So one, I won't be like in the forefront. (laughs) I'll be Mm -hmm. way in the back. I really see myself talking to women. That's just been my passion. And it's not that I, you know, I don't want to help men. I mean, so it's nothing to do with that. It's just that I see so many women and I don't know if that really comes from, you know, seeing both of my grandmothers and, you know, my mom was a single mom. Mm -hmm. I just, I've seen so many women who have so much fire and so much Mm -hmm. hustle and they're like dog paddling, trying to get to the next level. And and they're still like dog paddling and they're just not getting Mm -hmm. anywhere. And so um, that's really where I see myself is, is doing more women's empowerment things, uh, women's workshops, sharing my story. You know, we have the Pink Pearl Hero organization for breast cancer awareness, where I use that platform to tell my story as being a breast cancer survivor. And I'm mentoring a couple people right now who are like in their early phases. And it really is a mindset thing. It's just a mindset shift. And just talking to them about those things. So really just empowering women in general on wealth and also for breast cancer awareness. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely brings me to another solid point. I mean, you're talking about your focus is women, but, you know, obviously you and I have worked together 
extensively over the past three years. So when you say women, I mean, I think you and I probably work together more than Ron and I work together. And I think it's because maybe I had a lot of women on my team, but just seeing you operate and work with the women on my team, it influenced me as well on how to operate in that space and, and what's mindful and what's not mindful. So I think through osmosis, you're definitely helping men right. <laughs> without a doubt as well. Definitely. So you talked about the planners. What other tools that you use that you would not be able to do your business without? I mean, outside of my phone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I realized how heavily, I guess, weighted my the, the business is, our business is on electronics. I mean, I'm a big tech girl. I mean, I mean, we, we, t- we can talk tech all day. But really, it's, it really is just my, it's my planner to stay organized. And the only other thing I really need in my business is these, my mouth. It's really about people, talking to people, meeting them at their level, finding out what they want in life. You know, so if I didn't have that, then, ooh, then that, that would be a, a travesty for sure, for sure. Yep. But I think, you know, the great thing about our business is that it's just that simple that we don't need require a lot. We really don't require a lot to keep it going. But um, as long as I, you know, having a, a clear focus and a positive attitude. I mean, that's another essential that I need, of course, because I'm dealing with people all the time. And if you don't have a positive attitude, so that's why I want to read that book, The Five Second Rule, because when you're juggling different personalities, different people, you have to, and you have to stay in a positive mindset at all times because you're putting out fires, making decisions. So that is going to be very helpful. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, since you're talking about books, I mean, what books are you reading right now? So you know what I went back to? So I went back to Think and Grow Rich because it reads differently now. And it reads differently, you know, and and my mentor told me that it's going to read differently because you're moving to another level, mindset-wise. So things that were already in there just may have not made sense or you just kind of glossed over it. But now it's like, how did I not see this the last time? And I did a book club for like two weeks back to back. And even within that one, I mean, even within those two weeks, it read differently. So the Think and Grow Rich, the other book that I'm reading right now is called Captivating. It's by Stashi Eldridge. It's a biblical perspective on a woman's role. It ain't for everybody. It ain't for every woman because it talks about religion and it talks about the Bible and the woman's role and the perception. And it's really good because it's actually a husband and wife team that uh, wrote the book together. So it gives you a male's perspective too. So it's not just like a a woman's perspective on it. So that, and um, there's a book and I can't think of the author's name right now. It's called Jonah is by Priscilla Schreier. I was actually recommended that book by another mentor of mine right after my surgeries. And that's why I call my breast cancer journey, my Jonah moment. It was the time that I personally think that the Lord was like, look, you doing too much. I need to sit you down. And guess what? I'm going to physically sit you down because we got to have another conversation because now we're going somewhere else. Because I would have never, the things that are going on right now in our business with the um, Pink Pearl Hero for breast cancer awareness with the One Dope Planner, none of that was in the vision, like none of it. Hmm until that happened. So 
to, to allude to one of your mentors, I would assume that you're talking about Andy Young. And I remember him saying one time that he has read Think and Grow Rich at least two or three times per year. And every time he reads it, he gets a different attribute from reading it again in a shorter period of time. So, I mean, Think and Grow Rich is definitely one of those, I say it's like a cult classic. And I mean, it's been around since the 30s and it's still effective till this, till this day. And this is like maybe the fifth time it's come up in this podcast, that book. So if you have not read that book, Please go out and put your hands on that book. Definitely. What's ironic about that, though, is in corporate, no one ever mm. introduced that book to me. Mm. That is not a corporate book. They don't want you to think and grow rich in corporate America. It's true. Maybe it's it true. Is. But I'm sure all of them are reading it on the upper management side. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was- so what words of wisdom would you have for somebody that's, let's say, a, a young African-American woman growing up and she may potentially listen to this podcast, she may potentially see you online, and she wants to follow in your footsteps? What directions would you give her? One, I would say always stay humble, for sure. Always stay humble and don't let anybody knock you from your dreams because you know, everybody has like that the butterflies in their belly and they they just know that, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here or I'm, I need to be at another level. So number one, listen to that, but don't let anybody stop you from your dreams. And I think the other thing I would rec- always tell people is find a mentor, but find a mentor where you want what they have, not somebody who says, Hey, I want to be your mentor. No, if you don't want the lifestyle that they have or the mindset or the health, Whatever it is, if you don't want that, that person doesn't need to be your mentor. And everybody is not built to be a mentor, so always pick your mentors wisely, too. But if you don't want their lifestyle, then that shouldn't be a person that should coach you in life. But always have a mentor and seek out. You know, sometimes you have to seek out mentorship as well. Of course, it organically will happen. But always have a mentor. Um, Stay humble. Don't let anybody steer you from your vision or your goals, especially folks that ain't got what you want. I mean, it's amazing how people let folks who you don't want their lifestyle will steer you from doing some great things, you know, doing great things. And then, um, you know, my word for this quarter for me personally is unleashed. Like I am unleashed. No holds bar. We going guns a blazing. I mean, of course I'm going to do it with a smile, but I mean, be unleashed. Don't let anybody hold you back. I guess it's kind of like the uncaged. Be unleashed. Be unleashed. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, what is your most significant achievement to date? I mean, obviously, besides recovering from cancer at 100% and, you know. Wow. And my children? I mean, I got to say that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I would say, you know, one of my biggest achievements, it's still in in baby, like in in a baby step, is really the Pink Pearl Hero because that was something that almost didn't happen. But when it happened, it happened. Like I was like, it was another guns a blazing thing. I'm like, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. And because I know that in the future, how many lives it's going to save just from the message alone and how that came into play was when I was going through, we were trying to figure out what surgeries I was going to have, what the treatments were going to be. No one knew, like no one knew what was going on. I mean, like just except the the inner circle, but the girls didn't even know as well. Cause I wanted mm-hmm. a, a date for the surgery and I wanted to be able to tell them this is exactly what's going to happen. So they didn't have questions, but 
I would stay up late at night, like at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm looking on YouTube and I'm looking at the surgery that they were recommending. And I was looking at black women with cancer and I didn't see a lot of women who look like me talking about their journey. And so I'm like, so what's going on with this? If black women have higher rates and we're dying more, like, why aren't we talking about it? I said, who's going to do it? And then I'm like, why are you waiting on somebody? Why don't you just do it? And I was running. So that's kind of how the the whole pink pearl hero. And literally two days before I had my kind of coming out and here's what I'm going to do. I was diagnosed. I almost pulled the plug. I was like, you know what? I don't want nobody knowing about my life. I'm just going to do this in silence. (laughs) And then I was like, but what if you save one other person? And that's when I pulled the plug. I mean, put my hand back off. And I just, you know, had a great support group of women who helped me get that in play, but it almost didn't happen. Like it was like that close to not happening. But I know that that will be one of my greatest achievements. It'll be something outside of our business and it'll be something that I can leave the girls that they can continue on. Mm. And um, I've met some awesome and phenomenal people just in that process alone. So to talk about the, it says Pink Pearl Hero, correct? Correct. Is that the title? So is it like a nonprofit? Is it more like you raising funds, you raising awareness? I mean, what is it that that particular nonprofit does? So right now it is in a nonprofit status, but we're not collecting okay. anything right now. And a lot of that is because I wanted just to secure everything legally. I was like, okay, this is an awesome name. So we need to make sure everything is on lockdown. And most of what I've done right now is really just shared my story. So we haven't got it to the point where we're doing like contributions and we haven't got to that point yet because I'm really just coming out of the gates of being done, like done, done with my whole process. So it is in a nonprofit status though, right now, currently. So we can have that for the future, but the whole vision is, one, to do workshops. There's, we have um, three pillars where we look at um, self-care, uh, self-awareness, and then self-love. And it's not just for women who have breast cancer. It's for women in general. And actually, it's not just for women because I, you know, another divine timing and an appointment is I met an awesome guy. His name is Latrell uh, Yancey. His mother died from breast cancer. And then a couple years later, he gets cancer. So he's a man who's gone through breast cancer with a woman and then went through cancer himself. He actually kind of helped me through the process of just understanding things from a male perspective and a man who's supporting a woman with breast cancer. And so we're doing some initiatives on just having the conversation because I think a lot of men, because so many more women are getting breast cancer, the men in their life, and it's not really just their husband's. It's the the dad, it's the brother, it's the son. It's like, how do you support when your role is the protector? And this is the one thing you can't protect her from. And so uh, we had um, a couple conversations and then of course Corona happened because we were having an event planned and everything. We're also putting that aspect in there so women can understand the male's perspective with supporting a woman with breast cancer and vice versa and vice versa, so... We ain't leaving the men out totally. Just, you know, we got a segment for them too. When you, when you get a chance, uh, the episode that I just released, uh, I guess, time-wise of today, which was Milano, C. Milano. So he's an Ivy League graduate. One of his companies is called The Genius Group, and they specialize in 
the nonprofit sectors. And they pretty much go in and kind of structure operations and give you the big ticket, the big strategy. And, and just when you get the opportunity, just go and listen to that podcast and probably reach out to him. I think he would definitely like to hear your story and he'd probably give you some great solid insights. And I mean, that's really why I started this podcast was to connect these dots. And as soon as you said it and you were talking about it, I'm like, I just released that podcast this morning. It's a win-win situation. You should definitely contact Milano. He could definitely put you in, in, in the right direction. Following up on that, right, you brought up the girls a couple different times. And obviously, I've seen them kind of grow up over the years. I remember when they were kind of like middle school, high school, and like I think now one of them is in college. And I remember you, you telling us a story about, I forgot, I think it was your older daughter, and she was starting to recruit. How was she? <laughs> is she still a recruiter at this point? Is she still recruiting for the business? She does. And I think it's because she sees the power of what our business does mm-hmm. on both ends. And she's seen us having conversations or overheard us having conversations mm-hmm. of death claims that had to be paid. So she sees the realness of what we do. But yeah, both of them still do. I mean, like, you know, Lauren was hanging out with her girlfriend and she was like, hey, Sutton says mom needs more money. So you need to go talk to her because she's looking for extra income. So they're vested, you know, in the business and mm-hmm. we want them to get their licenses. So as we're building it to get ownership, that they have options. And that's really all I want for our girls is I just want them to have options. You know, Taylor is on her culinary where she wants to have food trucks. She doesn't necessarily want to be the chef, but she loves cooking. Hence why I've had to run all the time throughout this whole pandemic, because she's like baking a cake a week, like from scratch, everything. I mean, not no little cake. I'm talking about cake. Every week there's a cake in this house, but she just has a a love for the culinary, but she wants to be the business owner. And that of course happens when you have parents that are entrepreneurs. Definitely. Definitely. She wants to marry somebody rich, but I mean, she's got a game plan. Like, Oh, I mean, another topic that you just brought up was um, licenses. So I, I would think that that's another one of your significant achievements. I mean, just to become uh, RVP, right? Do you have to have certain licenses in place? And I think a lot of people don't understand, like, the trust that goes into becoming an RVP, but at the same time, the awareness and the education that goes behind it and the maintenance of it. So obviously, I mean, you, you have a Series 6 and what are the licenses do you have with that? I mean, I'm saying serious because I understand, you know, I took that exam and I understand the studying that goes into passing those exams. It is no joke. It is a serious exam. And you have to kind of knuckle down for like 30 days to be able to even get in that room and get a passing grade. So what licenses do you hold? So I have my um, Series 6, 63, and mm. my life licenses. Mm. I'm studying right now for my 26 as well. So... And I'll probably end up studying for the 65 too. But you know what I've realized is when we first saw the business, we said, if nothing else, we're going to learn more about money. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget when I was studying for that series six, I was like, investments Mm -hmm. are just, I hate to say it. They're just gangster. I'm like, oh my gosh, if people like knew this Mm -hmm. stuff, would the middle class really be the middle class if people knew that was also my other thing is, you know, now it's like, you know, I feel like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factor. I got the golden ticket and I need to let as many people know as possible. Here's some of the things that you could do for your family, but just by applying these basic principles. So, but yeah, I said, after I take these last tests, I said, I ain't taking no more tests. I said, I ain't taking no pregnancy tests. I ain't taking no more tests. 
I'm done. Taking oh. <laughs> so it's a 26. Which one's a 26? The 26, is that the principal license or that's a... Nice, nice, nice. So I got a couple of bonus questions for you. Uh-oh. They're a little bit more lighthearted than, than a serious question. So if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? Man, that's a good one. So I love Wonder Woman. Mm. Here's a little, little caveat. So if you ever go look at our social media page for Pink Pearl Hero, so every 30th mm. of the month, I um, send a reminder to, for women to do their self-breast exams. Because that's how uh, my lump was found from my nurse practitioner during my well woman's exam. So I send that as a reminder. But what I do, part of your, when a woman does her breast self-exam is to stand like Wonder Woman, literally, to do like a self-inspection to see if anything has changed physically. And when I saw that, I'm like, that looks like Wonder Woman. That's, and that is, it was Wonder Woman's pose that you have to, to stand in. So Wonder Woman has always been my favorite since that. And then she is a badass. I love the Wonder Woman. <laughs> and then now I love Superman. I've always been team Superman, even though Batman is wealthy. Yeah. But that's like a little, I guess, like a piece to me that a lot of people don't know is I love Marvel comics. I can watch them over and over just to have them in the background. I can watch Iron Man like three times in a row. He's wealthy as well. And he is wealthy as well. So. I guess I do like all the wealthy ones. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it just rolls into your business background a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, coming into to this podcast, I was thinking we was pretty much going to be talking more so about your business underneath the, the RVP branch, but you've kind of exposed two other branches, right? I mean, you're talking about a nonprofit and you're also talking about this digital planner. How could people get in contact with you? I mean, this is this is the shameless plug. I mean, what's the websites? Where are you on Instagram, Facebook, and so forth? Yep. So for the nonprofit, for the Pink Pearl Hero, it's on Instagram and Facebook, Pink Pearl Hero, all one word. And then for the planner, One Dope Planner, so it's the number one dope, D-O-P-E. It's a digital organization planning experience. I came up with the name at three o'clock in the morning. So you see, I get up at... I was building version number two and literally I was like, this is pretty dope. And I'm like, there we go. One dope planner. Literally that's how the name came into play. But um, we're on Instagram and Facebook as one dope planner. And we're working on getting the website. We're actually in pre-launch, my partner and I. So she's like doing a lot of things behind the scenes as well, just to get everything out in the forefront. Those are the two best ways to get in contact with me. So the one dope planner is one spelled out or is it just it's the number one, just the number one planner. Yeah. Cool. And then yeah. um, it's a private Facebook group. Um, it's called women of wealth. I mean, anybody's welcome to, you know, to join it. I mean, any women's welcome to join because it's a women's group. Mm-hmm. We do have that on Facebook. And what I'll do is I actually just women's statistics on wealth and we just start talking about it, but it's also a place where we can embrace entrepreneurs. So I showcase a lot of women who have their own businesses because a lot of women have pivoted during this pandemic where the things that, that they've always wanted to do or things that quote unquote were hobbies, they've actually said, well, shoot, this is perfect time for me to just jump and go guns a blazing and get it done. And so I'll, you know, showcase women on their, their businesses. Nice. 
So it's just a, a way for me to give back, but it's also a way to have another avenue for women to network, even if they're corporate, single moms, stay-at-home moms, or entrepreneurs as well. Nice, nice. All right. So I got another bonus question, and this is like my favorite bonus question. I was like, I'm just going to ask this on every single episode that I ever do, because just because everybody's answer is always going to be uniquely different, right? If you could spend 24 hours a day with anybody, dead or alive, uninterrupted, who would it be and why? Only one person? Yeah, one person. I mean, you could list more than one, but just start off with the one main person. And Art William doesn't count. Okay, so honestly, the first person that came to mind was Jeff Bezos. I mean, Mm. I just want to have a conversation with him. I know maybe I'm just, I don't, I just want to know. I mean, in five years, he blows past everybody. Trillion. Blows past everybody. I mean, by default, of course, his ex-wife is in the top 25 list of billionaires too. But (laughs) for 24 hours, that would be the guy that I would want to spend time with just to pick his brain. And I mean, I would not go to sleep. Oh, yeah. I was talking yeah. the whole time. I mean, I'd be taking no-dos, monsters, whatever, just to maximize that, just to see his thought process. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do is they don't take time to, for people like that, if you had an opportunity or somebody who has what you want, ask a couple questions and then just shut up and just absorb it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a solid one. He's the first person that's scheduled to be a trillionaire in our lifetime. So, I mean, that's definitely a lifetime game changing situation. Right. Definitely. Well, so this is the time of uh, the podcast where I usually kind of give the microphone over to you. And uh, what questions do you have for me? So I know I've seen a couple of of the podcasts. So what is your Mm -hmm. vision? I heard you talking about networking and connecting people. Mm -hmm. What's your vision? with the podcast, what's next for you? And of course, you know, of course, I'm always going to ask about Koi. Yeah, you know, Koi. The little monster Koi. He's another one that went from like here to, I'm like, oh my God, who's that kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So to answer, say it again. Okay, Could he be an enforcer? <laughs> sure enough. So to answer your first question, the vision for the podcast, it's one of those things where, it's a calling. It just kind of happened. I've been ignoring it and pushing it to the side. And all of a sudden, I never wanted to be in the limelight. And then as I look back, historically, just my connections of people. I mean, this entire first season are all 100% people either I've worked with, clients, or people that I've mentored or I mentored them. Long story short is that my Rolodex was thick enough to say, what the hell am I doing? Why am I holding it to myself? So it gave me opportunity to kind of reach out and communicate. And everybody that's in my Rolodex completely have different backgrounds. And I have a lot of entrepreneurs that have insights. I'm like, well, why don't we just give it to the world? Like give people opportunity, not only to pitch whatever they're working on. Like, for example, I came on here thinking we were going to be talking about financial services and you had two other business units that I didn't even know existed. So give people opportunity to kind of voice those new ventures that they're working on, talk about their successes, talk about hurdles that they've overcame, like your cancer, right? I mean, that's a hell of a hurdle to overcome. Anybody else probably would have essentially given up or they would have gave up their business and but you constantly kept pushing forward. So to give inspiration, to give motivation, and that's what this entire venture of this podcast really is, is getting people that may not see themselves as inspirations to other people and giving them a 30 minute to an hour of their voices to be able to say, guys, you are inspiration. You are motivation. Your story is hella powerful. Let's give it back to everybody and let them know who you are and what you're doing. Right. Right. 
I mean, that's what's up. I mean, and I know that my breast cancer journey is just, it was part of my personal process. It was something that had to happen. And I think a lot of people may not be on that level, you know, and I get it. So I'm not, I never like tell folks, okay, why aren't you here? You know, cause that's just not part of their process. This was just part of my process. Yeah. But, you know, when I look at it, I knew, and I had a conversation with Ron. I'm like, if we give up now, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss whatever. And like, cause I just felt it. I'm like, we're in a season right now and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do what I need to do to stay healthy, to stay focused, yeah. to get through this. And it's, that all that happened like right during radiation, like almost at the worst time for it to happen. But that's when I also realized how to kind of trick my brain because it really a lot of things in life are all mental. It's just, I guess, that shift. But I think, you know, my biggest, I guess, advice to people is just never give up. Just never give up, especially when there's something going on, like you get those little butterflies where like, you know, I'm right here. If I give up now then it's just not going to happen. So just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And it may not be like full force, but as long as you keep on doing something every day to get you to the next level, whatever your next level is, yeah, just don't stop. Don't quit. Yep. Yep. And, and to your point about the medical side, I mean, I think everybody sooner or later is going to go through something medical related. And that's when you become the real you, right? I, I think you hit that cancer point and you have to make a decision. You step forward. I hit that. I had a stroke, literally had a stroke. And to your point, my, half my face was crooked. And I was like, the hell with that. I'm going to do something and push forward. And everybody that I've talked to that's in that predicament, you're faced with life or death situations. And you have to make that conscious decision. And after that point, there's no turning back. There's absolutely no turning back. And then your greatest achievements usually happen after that point. So I think, I mean, you was already on the, on the road for greatness, but I mean, just hearing you speak today, was just kind of like, well, damn, Tammy, sister Tammy. <laughs> Great. Right. So you got any other questions for me? Oh, is it, you got another book coming out? I mean, I know you're probably writing something. I mean, I see something in the yes. background. That series is three books out. The, the third volume just came out. The vision book came out and I just pre-release a new book series in general called Uncaged Motivation. So those two are on for pre-sale on Amazon right now. And those are kind of like taking a calendar of 90 days and putting it in the book format to kind of have actionable items every single day for 90 days. And so, and these books were originally on. So the keywords, like what's passion, but taking action towards your passion, what's vision, taking action towards your vision. So just a combination. I was like, I needed a new book series. I know I'm like my schedule's not busy enough, but I needed to have two book series to be able to portray the words versus the actions of a day-to-day basis. So that's what's coming up. Very good. Cool, Very cool. cool, cool, cool. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking time out your schedule. I know that you're probably all over the place because you always were all over the place. So I appreciate you taking the hour out your busy day to come on this podcast. And I think women of all races, of all creed, would hear your story and kind of hear you being a cancer survivor, being an entrepreneur, and not just an entrepreneur in one avenue, successful in one and starting two others. You're a beast all day, every day. And I definitely appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for um, thinking of me and having me on. Anytime I get an opportunity to tell my story, I never take it for granted because I just know the the impact that it can have. So I'm always, you know, cautious on who I speak with and on the different channels. So I definitely, definitely appreciate you having me on. So we'll have to get together. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sooner or later, man. <laughs> Sooner or later. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, COVID changed things, but I mean, obviously, having Zoom definitely helped. Having video conferences definitely helped. It's not the face-to-face, but it's virtual face-to-face. So it's a win-win situation. Correct. So what else you got on your schedule for today? So I'm doing my, um, have you ever heard of the Pomodoro theory? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a two-hour power hour. Mm-hmm. And I get so much work done. I mean, I do that. I have actually a template for that in the planner. But so I'm going to do my two-hour power hour, knock some things out so I can be productive. And then I'll take some, of course, got some playing time with the girls and keep grinding. I mean, I, I really never stop. I know that's kind of bad, but. Yeah, but I mean, with that theory, I mean, that's the theory that if you, I think it's what, two hours on, two hours off, or two hours on, 30 minutes down? I do 25-minute cycles, tasks, okay. cycles. So 25 minutes, I take a you know five-minute break, which is like run to the bathroom, get some coffee. And then I do four of those, and then I'll take like a 30-minute break to kind of reprogram the brain, which is a good time for me to actually take like that 26-minute nap. I think you and I talked about the art of napping before. Yep. And so I really, really had to implement that during radiation because that was like, hmm. I mean, literally zapping me out. So I would have to take longer ones at that point. So that's a good time for you know me to refocus, and then I get right back on it, do and do four nice. more twenty-five minute cycles. But I get so much done in that time, so much wow. done, it's ridiculous. So even at the end of the podcast, still dropping knowledge. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it, Tammy. Man, well, we look forward to seeing what the um, nonprofit turns into, and obviously your. Dope. One dope planner, right? Or is it plan? Is it planner? One dope planner? Yep, I'm one looking at one dope planner. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what that turns into, man. But again, over and out. We appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thanks so much, Chanel. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncage. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash boss uncaged.